Hi, this is Pastor Don from Perry Hall Family Worship Center. I'm so glad that you joined into our service today. We are blessed that you are part of it. And you know, my prayer for you is this, that you will be blessed, you'll be encouraged, and most of all, you'll be challenged by the Word of God today. So just get ready and join into the services. Service has already begun. God bless you. I want to say, preparing the Easter Resurrection Sunday sermon is always a little little you got to navigate around. I was just told earlier that the newspaper had that as an article pastors preparing for their Sunday message. And it is kind of it is kind of quirky a little bit because uh you know you're you're navigating around a lot of different things and trying to uh make a good sermon that people can always remember. <clears throat> and one of the things that um that pastors try to do, preachers try to do, they try to take this opportunity to convince everybody that they need to have a relationship with God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not here to do that today. I'm not here to try to convince anybody. I'm not here to try to sell why you need God. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try to be pushy. What I'm going to do today is I'm just going to share some scriptures, some accounts that took place, a conversation that took place, and give us an option at the end. But really, there's no, there's no pressure or anything because I want the Word of God to convert us. I don't want Dom to try to convince us anything here. So I say that, and I say this. After I say what I say, you do what you want to do with it. You know, you're going to hear the Word of God. You're going to see the Word of God on the screen. Hopefully, God is preparing your heart to hear and to receive Him. But my point really is, once you hear it, it's up to you to do what you want to do with it. So my message is conversation on the cross. What took place on the cross? I think most of us know, <clears throat> I think most of us know what took place. But at this point here, the conversation on the cross, as I'm saying it, Jesus has already been tried, obviously. He's already been convicted. He's already uh, been beaten, spat upon mocked the crown of thorns on his head. All this has already taken place. He's already been nailed to the cross, and now he's, he's on the cross. <clears throat> so this is where we're picking up the story, where he's already on the cross. Now, you know the story, most people, that he was beside two criminals, a thief on the right and a thief on the left. Sometimes we know it as the good thief and the bad thief. There's such a thing. But that's the way we, we may know that, this story. Now, <clears throat> we're going to really see as we go, we're going to see the contrast, if you will, or we'll see the maybe the spiritual difference in these two guys. And I think what we're going to tell as well is at the end of the day, there's only two types of people that are either spiritual or non-spiritual. They either have God or they don't have God. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. There's just just that, them two types of people. And as they're on the cross, it's the bottom of the ninth inning, two outs, and O and two is the count, and this is it. It's decision time for these guys on the cross. And a lot of times, it's the same way for us as well. It's decision time. So I want to pick up the story in Luke 23, and you're going to see the conversation of three it's the conversation of the, the bad thief, the good thief, and Jesus. Just them three talking. And uh, I, I'm just praying that you get more out of it than what I share. Okay? So we start out in verse 39, and it says this. Then one of the criminals who were hanged, bla- hanged blasphemed, blasphemed, 
him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Okay, that's the bad guy. That's the bad criminal. <laughs> they're, they're criminals, but this is the bad one. Come from the bad point. But the other, now this is a good guy, answered rebuking him, saying, you don't even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation. So this guy here, he's recognizing, he's, as I said, he's at the bottom in the ninth inning of his life. He's only got maybe minutes, maybe an hour or so left in his life. And this good thief, he's realizing something, and he's, he's rebuking, as it says, the bad thief. He says in verse 41, and we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds. But this man was done nothing wrong. So again, look at the look at the um, personalities of both of these guys. But now you see the good thief, and he's saying, "Hey, I'm a sinner. I, I did wrong. I don't deserve going to heaven. I don't deserve this. I don't. I don't deserve heaven. And Jesus doesn't deserve to be executed." He recognized something. The bad thief or the good thief, I should say. Then Jesus said in verse 42, then Jesus said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, surely I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now look at the characteristics here, okay? We have the, the bad thief having a bad attitude and totally rejecting God, okay, period. And then we have the good thief realizing, hey man, what we did was bad, and we deserved what we, what's coming to us, but Jesus doesn't. So in one sense, it's kind of interesting because, again, we can look at it in our own lives. You know, we can see what the Scripture's saying, that, you know, we're, we're not worthy, if you will, of heaven. Jesus makes us worthy. But look at the characteristics of these, uh, these two gentlemen, if you will. I want to go back to verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself in us. So it's a good idea to get an understanding of what these guys are all about. And you know, when we read our Bible, we're reading a translation of the original. And sometimes we don't, we don't get the depth of what it means unless we dig deeper. And when we look at this word criminal in this verse here, it means bad. It means evil in the widest sense. This is the definition, an evil worker. So we look at these guys. I mean, they weren't, they weren't good characters. You know, they deserved the death penalty. Then we see the word blaspheme. It means to slander, to speak lightly or profanely of sacred things. Use abusive language about God or man. So we see these, these thugs, these bad guys, these criminals, these murderers. They're murderers, the Bible says. We see these guys at this point speaking bad about God. It's like, man, the nerve of them. But let's talk a little bit about maybe their life. And some of this is kind of maybe I would say my opinion. But their upbringing was probably pretty bad. You know, they, they probably got in trouble a lot of times. Uh, again, these guys weren't, um, these guys weren't uh, just little offenders. These guys were getting executed. Excuse me. These guys were on death row, but now they're getting executed. And uh, they could have been abused as they were growing up. Most likely, they hung around with the wrong crowd. 
I mean, we see that in our days. And, you know, if you're a parent, you would say the same thing to your kids. Watch who you hang around with. Don't hang around with the bad crowd. And, and most of the times you don't know you're hanging around with the bad crowd because you're just joining in. They're your friends and everything else. But they turn out to pull you away. And we have to be careful with that. The Bible even tells us to have no appearance of evil. So the point really is these guys, you know, they're, they're coming out of a, a, a rough life without a doubt. And you can almost see the attitude. You can see the attitude in the bad thief. He comes out and he's, he's almost saying, come on, God, if you're God, you know, do something here and get me off. Get me out of this situation that I'm in. But let me say something. I read that for a few times. I'm saying, man, this guy's got an attitude without a doubt. But in one sense, we can be the same. Here's what I mean. We could, we could go through things like this, like, God, if you're out there, why aren't you helping me? Come on, we probably prayed that. God, where are you at? You know, I'm in need right now. Where are you at? How come you're not answering my prayers? Now, we might say we're not bad as that thief. We're not coming out with that attitude, but we can say that. Or how about this one here? God, where were you when? And you can fill in the blank there. Where were you, God, when? It's almost we're taking a position of questioning God and we're, we're, we're calling him out, so to speak. But this guy's heart was hard, no doubt. It was hard. Now, let's talk about the good criminal, the good thief. The Bible says in verse 40, it says this, but the other answered, rebuking him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? A change took place in this guy. This guy was a criminal. Remember that? He was, a, he was a, a criminal. He did evil in the widest sense of the word, as the scripture says. He was an evil work. That's what the definition of that word. So he was an evil guy. And I'm sure he had a bad life as well. But he made a change. Something took place. Now, we're talking about, obviously, the death of Jesus at this point. We'll talk about the resurrection shortly. But really, the point is, is we got to focus on something here because God is speaking to every one of us. So we go in verse 41, and he says, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Man, this is pretty interesting. He's got this perspective. He's hanging on the cross with short time left, and he's taken up for, for Jesus. Two things that I can say we, we notice here, that this guy had a bad life, the good thief had a bad life, but he knew Jesus. He knew, he knew of Jesus. Something took place here. Now, understand, they were both being executed. They did not, uh, you know, they didn't get a speeding ticket or nothing like that. These guys said murder. They led rebellion and things of that nature. You know, they could have been easily just released. You know, all right, serve a year, two years, ten years, and then we'll release you. Or they could have... Um, they could have made him a slave. They didn't make him a slave. They could have put him down in the ships. You know, down in the ships when they would row, that would be one of the things. You know what I'm talking about? You ever see them things in them, them big ships and they put all the they put all the um the criminals down there and the guys beating the drum, boom, 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 and they're rowing. You know what I'm saying? I want to make sure you know what I'm saying because I'm leading up to a joke here. So you know what I'm saying? Okay. Okay, good. Because you wouldn't get the joke if not. But, you know, they're all rowing. They're rowing and rowing around. Of course, it's sweaty and everything else. And the guy's beating the drum, boom, boom, boom. And they're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing. Then the taskmaster comes up and says, guys, stop for me. I got good news and I got bad news. And they say, oh, wow. 
what do you want to hear first? They said, let's hear the good news. So they said, the good news is tomorrow we're going to uh, hit the beach. We're going to have a cookout. And man, they were so excited and everything. And then the guy said, well, what's the bad news? Well, the bad news is tonight, uh, today the uh, captain wants to go water skiing. See, you weren't ready for that joke. I knew you weren't ready. You'll, you'll be laughing about it later. So there was a buzz that was going on. There was a buzz going on about with this with Jesus. There really was. And I'll say this again. Both of these guys, they led bad lives. Both of these guys knew Jesus. Now, in saying all that, I want to make a personal statement, okay? Most of us know about Barabbas. Remember Barabbas? He was in jail. He was in jail, possibly right beside Jesus. Okay, I'm just, this is some opinion. This is some thought here. Most likely he was. I believe that he was ha- Jesus was hanging in the spot of Barabbas. Now remember, Pilate did not want to send Jesus to the, to the cross. He didn't want to do that. And he was doing everything to try not to send Jesus to the cross. So he makes a, another hard um, uh, deal, so to speak, with the people. He says, look, do you want me to release Jesus? Because they would release one prisoner at a, a year for this uh, event. Do you want us to, re- to release Jesus? Or Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a was a bad guy. He was a criminal. I believe he was a it was the ringleader. Now, again, I'm just I'm putting speculation in there, but I believe that he was the ringleader. I believe he was going to go in the center because he was the bad guy, and without a doubt, this murder got off got off scot free. I mean, he he got released. Jesus took his place. It's kind of interesting when you just keep thinking about the story. You'll find more as you keep thinking. But Jesus got in the middle. You had a you had a criminal on this side and a criminal on that side. I don't think it's by coincidence. I think that was a reason for that. Now, I like to think here that just maybe, just maybe something with Barabbas took place afterwards. I think there's a lot that can be said, but it's not for today about Barabbas. But I will say this. That was one of the luckiest days for him. <laughs> freed from murder and and uh, someone else died for him. So after Jesus' death, we'll get back to the criminals, but after Jesus' death, he went into the tomb. We know that some of us have been to the tomb that they believe was the actual one that Jesus went into. I was in it. So he goes into the tomb and then we know he came back. And that's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. He came back to life. Now, as Pastor Ed said earlier, Every other belief system out there, their leader has come and gone, and they're still gone. Jesus came for us, nailed on the cross, died for us, and rose again. It's documented. 500-plus people have, have witnessed that. So we serve a God that's alive. We serve a God that's alive. We don't serve a God that's made of, of statues that's um, out there that you don't, there's no power in. Many, many places do. Many places have thousands of gods that they worship. You know who I'm, you know who I'm talking about. But we, we worship God, the only God. And it's through the resurrection that really sealed the deal. So this day, as we serve, as we uh, celebrate Resurrection Sunday, it is the central part of our belief system, and it's essential is the central and essential part of our relationship with God. Here's what I want to say. You have to believe in the resurrection 
to be a Christian, to be a real Christian. You know, many people like to carry that name, they're a Christian. You have to believe in the resurrection. You can't say, well, I believe that he died on the cross. I believe the Bible. And re- but the resurrection, well, scientifically, scientifically, it can't happen. So I don't believe that. And here's what I would say. I agree 100%. Scientifically, how can a person come back to life? How can it become? Well, it's God. It's the same way. How can, how can um, the oceans be parted? How can a virgin get pregnant? Scientifically, you can't do it. So it's God. It's a miracle. So I'm not trying to prove science here. I'm just trying, trying to prove God and his work. See, we serve a God now that's alive. There's power in the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we have power over sin. We have power over death. Let me give you a couple scriptures here. Again, because I want the scriptures to do the talking to our hearts. I'm not trying to convince anybody. Because I, I want the word of God to convert us, not to convince us. You know, it's not like, explain this to me. Oh, okay, then I'll, I'll understand and I'll, you know, be a Christian. No, the only way you become a Christian is you convert in your heart. Something takes place in your heart. But in 1 Corinthians 15, the scripture says this, and if Christ has not been risen, then our faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. So if it wasn't for Jesus being raised from the dead, I wouldn't be here. We'd be wasting our time here. We'd be wasting our time. I mean, it's really that simple. This is how important the resurrection, resurrection Sunday is, is to realize that we are here today because of the, the resurrection, because Jesus came back to life. We are not here because of Easter. You know, sometimes I go back and forth with Easter, and I'm not trying to be anti-Easter, but if there was no resurrection, we wouldn't be here because of Easter. <laughs> And I know sometimes people can get, they can get funny with the definitions and going back to this and going back to that. The point is, the resurrection is very clear of what has taken place. But again, if it wasn't for the resurrection, you wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be here. That's, that's what it's all about. Now, in saying that with the resurrection, there's something that comes with that. And in Philippians 3.10, the scripture says this. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. See, there's power in the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we have certain power. You know, we don't realize this, but again, it sealed the deal. It made the loop that everything that Jesus said, everything that's in the, in the Bible, all the prophecies and everything that, that was said, it sealed the deal that, that there was victory in the resurrection. What kind of victory? What kind of power? Well, we see here in 1 Corinthians, it says, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? See, when we look at scriptures like that, we realize, okay, the sting of death doesn't have the Christian anymore. It shouldn't. I mean, nobody, nobody likes when a death happens. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But the sting of it is not there anymore. Where before, before the resurrection, there was a sting. There was something there that, you know, um, that made everybody feel the pain in a sense. Now, I'm not trying to downplay anything there. But the point that I'm saying is when you believe in the resurrection and you die, man, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. 
It's, it's all part of God's plan here. But I'll say this. A lot of times people struggle um, with uh, converting or changing their heart. People do that all the time. And, you know, you have these challenges. I can tell you as a pastor, uh, you know, you have people that challenge you. And they try, to get, they try to get scientific. They try to get knowledgeable. And they try to explain things away, which is a very dangerous to be, a place to be in. Because logic sometimes doesn't work. It takes faith. It takes faith. Now, here's a problem. And I want to read something out of Jeremiah 9. Verse 23, here's what the scripture says. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. It's basically saying pride. Pride is what keeps people from converting, from being convinced. We'll use that word again. Pride will, pride will hold people back. Well, you know what? I don't need God. I mean, God's cool. But, you know, I understand he came and all that. I'm not arguing that. It's okay. It's okay for my wife to go to church, make take the kids. That's a great thing for him. But for me, I'm okay. I'm, I'm pretty smart in all this stuff. I can figure out all this thing in the, in the world. God just calls it pride. I mean, it's really that simple. God calls it pride. And God resists the proud. So the point really is, is we see here God is really calling out people who don't have, don't want to have a relationship because they're busy. They're doing other, other stuff. I like verse 24, what the scripture says here. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me, speaking of God, and understand that I am the Lord, who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that the delight in these things, I, the Lord, have spoken. Man, I tell you, this one verse here gives us a great description of God. You know, a lot of times people think, well, God's all loving. He loves us all. You know, he, he wants that we're all going to be in heaven and having a joyful party after everything's done. We see here God's a just God. So he deals with certain things in our lives. He gives us the opportunity. He's a loving God, but he's a just God. So we see that. Also, we see in verse 25, and he says this, And time is coming, says the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised in the body, but not in the spirit. He's basically saying, all, you, all of us who look religious, who act religious, but don't have Christ in us, well, we're going to be judged. You know, we can look good on the outside. We can, you know, we can wear a suit and tie and be in church and everything else. But God sees the heart. And he goes, and he's looking at the heart. And he's saying, are you converted? <laughs> Have you made a change yet? Again, go back to the example of the, the two criminals. You know, this is a great example. Two bad thieves, both in the presence of Jesus. They both heard him say, Father, forgive them. We know that. But the good thief, he's got some interesting points. He wasn't embarrassed to acknowledge Jesus. He wasn't embarrassed. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't embarrassed to acknowledge his faith in God. That's always a good indicator of a person's walk with Lord. Do they share God or they, 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 they don't want to, you know, they don't want to embarrass. People say, well, that's a very personal uh, thing with me is, is my faith. Well, it shouldn't be personal. You should be able to share the gospel. People should be able to see Christ in you. So that's what the good thief said. What else? He confessed that he was a sinner. Did you notice that? He confessed that he was a sinner. Hey, what we did wrong, we're getting our just reward. 
But with Jesus, he doesn't deserve it. And that's a whole point is that we're sinners. We have to recognize that. He spoke about the kingdom of God. He called him Lord. The switch has taken place here. Here's another interesting point. He didn't believe death was the end. That's not the end. He knew that there was life beyond death. He knew that there was life beyond the cross. And that's for all of us. There's life after death. A lot of people, if they, if they uh, don't understand that, they're going to have the sting. You know, they're going to have the sting of death. But when you understand, hey, there is life after death. There's two destinations the Bible's very clear on. Now, we can see the good thief. We know where he went. Jesus said, you're going to be in paradise. Speaking about, you're going to make it to heaven. The bad thief, he made a choice. He made a choice not to receive, not to accept. So there was a change of heart. And there's no real conversion unless there's a change in heart. So we can say, wow, this was some lesson in salvation. Wow, this is really cool what took place here. But it's really not just a lesson in salvation. It's really more about a lesson in grace, a lesson in mercy. You know, here Jesus is hours from his death, and he's still, he's still doing what he does. He's still reaching out to people. You know, he's bleeding, sweating, people are mocking him, but he's still reaching out. And he's reaching out even to the last moment, the last time, the last couple minutes maybe for this bad thief. But he's still reaching out. God is still reaching out to every one of us. Are we just rejecting him? Are we saying, hey, do this and I'll believe you? Are we playing spiritual games with them? Let me say something here. These two guys, these two thieves, did they deserve heaven? Absolutely not. They probably destroyed families, destroyed people's lives by what they did. He didn't deserve it. The good thief didn't deserve it. But you see, he went to Jesus, and God, God forgave him. Says, look, you're going to be in heaven with me. You know, sometimes we can look at God and we say, you know what? He's not fair. He's not fair. And God's not fair. He's not fair to us. <laughs> He's not fair for us. When we are sinners... He says, hey, I'll give you a chance to, you know, for forgiveness. And you know what? The Bible says that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Romans 3.23 states it this way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. That means me. That means you. That means the thieves. All, all of us are sinners. And we know the scripture says sin separates us. So this guy will be in heaven when we get there. Looking forward to talking to him, seeing what, what, you know, what, what took place on the cross. We see that the works doesn't get us to heaven, and it doesn't keep us out of heaven. Think about that for a minute. This guy's works did not deserve heaven, obviously. And no matter how good we do things, that doesn't get us to heaven. The only way we get to heaven is a heart that gets converted, a heart that changes. A heart that when someone says, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready, God, talk to me. Matter of fact, God is talking to us. Maybe God's talking to your heart right now to get serious about your relationship with him. Hey, man, this is Resurrection Sunday. I'm, I've been praying for, for resurrection in people's spirit, people who don't know God, to receive God. I've been praying for resurrection in people's marriage, 
resurrection of people's finances, in their health. I'm praying for that. I want to see this to take place in our lives, in your life. I want to see healings take place. It starts with a converted heart, a heart that's been changed, a heart that's been changed by God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift. It's a gift, man. Just think about that. It's a gift of God, not of works, okay? Not what you can do. You can come to church all you want. You can give all your money to the church. You can feed the poor. You can do all this. It's not going to get you to heaven. The only way is by God's grace. We can stand at this point here, just about at the home stretch. It's about God's grace. It's about how much God loves each and every one of us. But it's a real thing. It's a real thing that takes place. We don't like to talk about the other place of opposite of heaven. Maybe I'll put it that way, trying to be trying to be soft here. But we don't like to talk about that. But the Bible says it. Matter of fact, the Bible's so serious about it. In, in Matthew 7, verse 13, look what it says here. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. If that's not a snapshot of something right there, God is saying this. The way to, the way to hell is broad. It's wide. The gate is, is, is huge. That's what it's saying here. That leads to destruction. It kind of gives you, man, just start thinking about the percentage. Man, there's a lot of people going south of heaven. But we see here also, um, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, narrow gate. That's the way to, that's the way to end the heaven. It's narrow. It's not like all oh, that easy. It's not, oh, I'm being a good person and I'm going in. Everybody's going, no, the gate's tight. It's going to be a, a squeeze there. So it's given us this example. Hey, man, make sure your heart's right. Whether we like it or not. Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death. Death means separation from God for eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Eternal life. This is the gift of God. This is the narrow path. The wages of sin is, hey, well, we, we just earned it. We, we, deserve, we deserve going uh, to go on separation from God. But grace says, no, I'm giving you this chance. I'm giving you this opportunity. So we see two men died that day. One died on the wrong side of Jesus. One died on the right side of Jesus. So the scene at the cross, as I close, depicts two types of people. A person who choose to accept Christ and a person who choose not to accept them. That's basically what it is. It just, we're, we're cutting through everything here and that's what, that's what the, um, that's what life is all about. When we get to, again, the final breath of our lives, that's all it's going to boil down to. It's not going to be how many, how many buildings you own, how much money you got in the bank, how many toys you have. It doesn't, that's not going to matter. It's only going to matter. One thing's going to matter. Did you choose them or did you not? And remember, if you don't, you reject them. It's, it's that simple. So I say this. Are you right with God? Are you right with God? I mean, it's that simple. Get right with God today. Let it be a challenge. I pray that you're challenged in this word. 
are you right with God? Because this is very serious. This is what the death and resurrection, we, we celebrate today. We, we celebrate this past week. We call it Good Friday. But we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we just want to make sure that we're right. And I heard a statement yesterday, and here's what it says. No one is beyond conversion. No one's beyond conversion. I don't care what you've done. This guy on the cross, he was a, he was a, he was a bad guy. You know, he was a bad guy. He was on the cross because he was a bad guy, not because he, you know, he did a couple bad things. He was a murderer. He was part of murders and everything else. But what takes place? He had a change of heart. Doesn't matter who you are, you can, your heart can change. So I pray this, that as you meditate on this word, I'm going to ask us to pray together. Ask God to just continue to show you where you're at. If you're ready. If today was your last breath, would you have a resurrection in your life? Did you have a resurrection? Did that spirit inside of you come to life? Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But my point is, make sure you're right. Don't let this day be a good celebration, which is a great time. And I encourage everybody to have fun. It's a joyful time. But don't let be distracted. Don't be distracted of the true meaning of Resurrection Sunday. Amen. So here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray this. I'm gonna ask everybody, just close your eyes, bow your head. Don't, no pressure, I said it. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to push anybody into anything. But if you felt like the word spoke to you today, the scripture spoke to you today, if you felt like God spoke to you, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And it's kind of like what the bad thief or the good thief said on the cross. Hey, I deserve. We're bad. I deserve what we're getting. But then he received Christ. So let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and be Lord of my life. I thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the dead for me. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I want to pray us. I'm going to say a closing prayer. If I can stop coughing. Let me try it one more time. And then the worship team will play a song and they'll close us out officially. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for each person here today. Father, you brought them here. It's not a coincidence. But you brought them here to hear your message, to hear your words. Father, I pray for anyone who truly prayed that prayer, who truly wanted a conversion. Lord, that you would just continue to show yourself to them. <clears throat> Father, I just I find it interesting, even in the, the account of the two thieves, the one that rejected you, rejected your son. Jesus didn't even respond to him. But the one who, who responded to Jesus, Jesus responded to him. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for the people that responded to you today. Lord, I pray as we go through Resurrection Sunday today, it will be a joyful time understanding what you have done for us, for this world, giving us your son. For God, you loved us so much 
that you gave your one and only son, Jesus. And if you, and your word says, if we believe in him, we'll have everlasting life. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we pray. Well, thank you again so much for tuning in. I hope you were blessed by the service, and I hope God was really speaking to you. Let me encourage you to go to the church website at perryhall.life and click on the Jesus link. This will tell you a little bit more about how to get that personal relationship with Jesus Christ to make him Lord and Savior of your life. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you tune in next Sunday at 11 a.m. as well. Thank you. God bless you, and have a great day.